0: You are listening to LGBT Time with Chuck. I'm your host, Chuck, and you are listening on WERU-FM. And this podcast was created by youth at OutMain. If you would like more information on OutMain and their programs, you can go to OutMain.org. If you would like to know more about WERU and all the wonderful shows they have, you can also go to WERU. And so for the podcast today, we are talking about pre-coming out stories. We're going to listen to a variety of people with different stories from different identities, different times of life, and talking about all kinds of cool stuff. We have poems, we have cute little stories that are amazing. And so I think you'll want to stick around to listen to what we have. Let's get going.
1: My name is Jet and I'm going to be reading my poem called Expectations. Expectations, they are rigid, fragile things. You spend days upon days crafting them, smoothing them out and honing them to fit into a tiny little space with no air to breathe and no room for error. You can never really be sure that you know how someone is going to react to your coming out. As for me, when I first came out to my mom, the first thing she asked me was, really, are you sure? And she didn't ask it with kind eyes and an understanding smile. She asked it with a look that said, is this really something I need to deal with right now? There were others who said, well, duh, or do I really have to call you a different name? Or sometimes maybe you should just go back to being a girl. And I never knew how to answer any of those. Maybe if I had known more about my own identity and about what it meant, I could have given a better answer, but instead I just stuttered out a response until the topic was changed. This isn't to say there were no good experiences. There was the quote unquote, mean and strict teacher who had noticed my friends calling me different pronouns and asked if the name written next to my dead name in parentheses was the one I'd prefer to be called. There was my grandmother who, even though she didn't really understand right away, began to reach out and do research so she could learn me better. Overall, the message is this. It's not to keep your expectations low, but to keep them flexible. Allow them to flow and change with the world around you. Make sure they can spill out of that tiny little space with no room to breathe and no space for error, and slide into a new space called possibility.
0: All right, everyone, my name is Chuck, and we just heard from Jet, on his poem expectations very beautiful poem may i add amazing i love it uh so i have a couple questions for you jet if that's all right
1: yeah that would be great
0: all right so in the first couple lines of your poem all of it i love but i really loved the diction you used it was very intricate and i felt like you were like putting together a tiny little puzzle, and you use the word crafting to talk about expectations and how people just like craft, well, they craft them, they put them together, and everything is just basically shoved in your face and expected, of course. What do you think the crafting meant to you? Do you think it is either... Maybe it's both societal, systemic, your own personal beliefs, maybe how you were raised by your family or how you grew up. What do you think about that?
1: I think there are a lot of different things that create the expectations we have. I think part of it is definitely societal, what we hear from the people around us, like, oh, this is what you should hear when you come out. And so those are things that we have in our, the back of our minds, no matter what we're doing, part of it is what we, like, if societal expectations is the skeleton of what our expectations are to become, what our family and what our own brains tell us is sort of the, like, interior design of that expectation, because like my family, I expected from what they told me growing up that it didn't matter what my gender was. And so that was sort of like a picture frame I put on the wall as a reference to, hey, remember, this is what they think. And then on my own, I came up, like I created a whole narrative of what I thought it would be. And then, like I said about my mom, like when I came out, I was expecting her to be like oh of course whatever you need and that's not what happened and it totally took me by surprise and so that's sort of what I mean when I say like you need to keep your expectations flexible because if you're expecting someone to be accepting or not accepting the opposite reaction is going to like shake your whole world and so I think it's good to be prepared for that um big shift.
0: That's amazing i love the metaphor about the skeleton and then the interior design i think that's so cool um i was wondering i was going to ask you about the reactions you received when you did come out because i know in personal experiences and experiences i've heard in the community a lot of people identify with saying that they have accepting families when in reality That's not always as easy as it sounds. It's taken time. You've been flexible. You've taken, you've had to explain a lot of things. And I don't think that's uncommon at all. I think that's actually more common than a lot of people let on. Was there a reaction other than your mother's that you were truly shocked by? You didn't expect it from that person? Or maybe from a group, or your school, or maybe someone took it a weird way and they didn't understand.
1: I definitely did have a few reactions that sort of were like, "Oh, that's entirely what I expected. Because um, the first person I told was one of my friends, because I just sort of wanted to get an idea of what they would say, and it was they pretty much just said, "Okay," and that was it. And I was like, "Well." I didn't necessarily want this to be a big deal but I did want it to be more than just that and so that again another thing to add to my expectations is that's something I want something more than that and when I officially came out I did come out pretty publicly I won't get into it because it's embarrassing now um (laughs) but my friend's mom actually I didn't expect I didn't think about her reaction at all. I didn't think she'd care. But she actually came to me after with like tears in her eyes, almost crying. And was like, that is the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. I'm so glad. Like, I'll like help you in any way you need. And it was so sweet. And I was like, oh, I didn't even think about something like that. That's better than I could have ever hoped for. And so I think that one is the one that stuck with me the most.
0: That's so like, I love... I just love the way you framed everything. I think it's really interesting. And I had one last question for you. And it's about, I'm really picky with words. So I'm gonna say the word flexible. And what did that mean that your expectations were flexible? Because we have, I mean, we have these, you said we have these expectations and they're systematic, they're societal. We see them when we grow up we have them for ourselves, but where do those come from? They come from culture and those were around and everything about our lives. So what did it mean to you to be flexible in your expectations?
1: That's a really good question. Um, For me being flexible in my expectations, mostly meant to, like, obviously there's no way you can go into something expecting nothing. So prepare for that, know you're going to expect something, but also keep in mind that whatever you're expecting to happen could wildly change and have a plan for a variety of reactions. Like personally, I didn't have as much of a plan. My expectations were pretty rigid at the time, but then thinking back, like if I could do it all again, if I could start from the beginning and come out all over again, most of it I would do the same, like how I told my teachers and things, but like how I told my family I would do it very differently and I would have kept my expectations much more flexible, like I said, and be ready for a reaction you aren't expecting or you don't want, but also be ready for the person who you least expected to support you more than anyone else.
0: Thank you so much. That was Jet with the poem Expectations that he wrote himself, so I am very proud to be acquainted with Jet. And next we are talking to Roy Boss about his experience coming out.
2: All right. Um, hey, Chuck, glad to be here. Uh, this is just a short story I wrote. It doesn't really have a name or anything. Um, but I would personally say that the, the time before I came out was like not the best. Um, i was pretty anxious all the time i didn't really have a lot of confidence in myself and generally i was a little bit of a wreck but you know i came out that first time and i came out as gay and it didn't really fit what i was hoping it would it still didn't feel quite right um, and it took like a whole nother year before i kind of became comfortable with myself but even, like, coming out a second time, it was just as scary as coming out the first time because you really don't know. And you kind of have an idea. It's like, well, this is how this person reacted before. They're probably going to have a... You don't know how someone's going to react or how the, what they're going to say, honestly. Like, when I came out the first time, most people just didn't believe me. They thought I was... Pulling kind of a elaborate hoax or some sort of joke, um, and the second time I came out, my friend asked me if I uh, fornicated with pots. So that was a uh, an interesting experience. It was, I mean, looking back, it is quite funny. But at the time, it, it was a little hurtful. You know, it was like, it was like, am I? Do these people not believe me because I'm not trustworthy? Or do they not believe me because they think that I'm lying to them for some reason? Wondering why people in general and people around me didn't believe me was something that, that was a little hard to deal with. The idea of lying to others and lying to myself especially is very hard to deal with, especially freshman, sophomore, junior year. Um, and I I've definitely become a lot more comfortable with who I am and where I'm at, but it was pretty scary time for a while and that was
0: Roy boss I'm so sorry I keep butchering your name but I have a couple questions for you if that's all right yeah go for it so first of all thank you so much for sharing your perspective and your story about your life not your entire life story, but your life, what it felt like before you came out and discomfort and like all that anxiety you had because you were nervous about coming out and what that felt like in general. And I noticed that you talked about coming out multiple times and I have not heard a lot of stories about people coming out multiple times. In my personal experience, I feel there isn't as much media coverage. I hate saying that phrase, but there isn't as much like public, it's not as broadcasted, I guess is the right way to put it, is not put out there all the time. Whereas coming out is a pretty big topic in in the community, in the LGBT community. So do you think that people come out more than once do you think that is a common thing or do you think that's not as common
2: it's a good question i would say that probably if someone is feeling like they've come out as part of the queer community and they don't really feel comfortable in their like in how they've come out like in in whatever way they've decided to come out that coming out a second time can be very scary um because it's it kind of feels like well am i just bouncing around from thing to thing and i think that probably stops a lot of people and the idea of just well i'm fine where i am i don't need to make any changes i think definitely affects people who are in the queer community i think that i completely
0: agree and i think that's a problem because i think there's a lot of gatekeeping in that way of if you come out once you have to be absolutely sure you can't take it back for instance which is ridiculous or right
2: yeah there's there's so much stigma around
0: it absolutely i know that stops me from coming out more times than i (laughs) want to from personal experience so i have a question about, you said, a I believe it was a friend made a joke about one of your uh, times you came out. And I'm not gonna say that's the first time I've heard that comment. That's pretty, common. like I've heard that many times. And I feel like a lot of the queer community is the butt of a lot of jokes. And a lot of things are made fun of and diminished and made palatable for assimilation and things of that sort. So, why do you think that? I mean, I've heard that joke a million times. I don't know about everyone else, but I've heard that joke so many times. And it makes me cringe every time I hear it because I'm like, I think of all the people I know who would just hate to hear that and it's hurtful and it just hurts my heart a bit. Um, Why do you think, or if you had a reason, why do you think people are often made fun of for their labels? Not even just like their like what their labels entail or anything, but like, I mean, pansexuality, it's making fun of like the label itself and the wording. I think that that's just interesting.
2: I guess I'm not sure exactly the like roots of the, but of a lot of these jokes, but when you look at like you can trace a lot of things back historically, especially with word roots. A lot of the times, like jokes like that are entirely. Intended to be basically the way I see it is like devalidating, I guess um, be the word for it right. um, or invalidating, I guess is a better word, but essentially taking this thing it's like, hey, this is something I feel comfortable with well, here's the joke reaction to say no, you're not valid, right, or just to essentially make fun of what you're doing and to take it not. Seriously, and I think things like saying, Oh, that's so gay, or something like that, is entirely like continuing and perpetrating this idea of like gay is bad or queer is bad. Like, I think those things are pretty heavily drilled into a lot of people, um, who might not think that at all, honestly. Like, I I know my friends aren't homophobic like i wouldn't be friends with them if they were you know and and they see those jokes as trying to like in in my mind they see them as trying to like be more inclusive by saying hey we're not just joking about this stuff we're joking about everything we're not trying to exclude you but i think the underhanded side of that is the invalidation that it Kind of brings that a lot of people don't see
0: i think that's so amazing and a really great point so i want to thank you again and we're going to be moving on to nutmeg
3: um hi (laughs) i'm nutmeg and i have a kind of poem i guess titled lucky i always say i was lucky I wasn't the first to call myself that, but it was the truth, right? So I repeated the label. Lucky to reject being gay at seven because I liked boys so I could ignore liking girls, and that made me safe. Lucky to find pansexual as my first label, even if it helped me shove away my asexuality. Luck, it surely must have been, even if I heard the occasional threat from classmates if I walked into the bathroom. I always say I was lucky, but there's nothing lucky about repressing key parts of yourself in your identity. Nothing lucky about pretending I wanted to be a girl or pretending I didn't want to be with another. There's nothing lucky about fear. And we just
0: heard Nutmeg's poem, Lucky, which is absolutely amazing and I think highlights a lot of great points that a lot of queer people face, which is questioning and thinking about importance and purpose and a lot of those things that questioning, like, why am I like this? Is there a reason or what will people think of this? Maybe I should shove it down, a lot of that. And I think that also ties into Jet's poem about expectations and thinking, you know, I'm lucky because I'm not like this, but wait, maybe I am, that sort of thing. So I had a couple things I wanted to ask you about, Nutmeg, if that's all right. Mm -hmm. So I really like the poem because it's called Lucky and it's very um, gritty. It feels very real to me and like completely unfiltered and just, this is what I'm feeling. This is really cool. What was the process of writing that for you?
3: i was thinking about pre-coming out and then i realized to think about that i have to think about when i actually did come out and coming out multiple times and how the reactions to that of like oh why didn't you tell us and then you're lucky you have a supportive family and community but there's still like even with supportive few people or even majority there's still Dangers and worries and like offhanded comments from things and wondering how safe I am, even if the majority of people say that I am and like, oh, you're lucky you're in this area of the state and that your mom like accepts you. And it's like, yes, but (laughs) there's so much more that goes on that people don't think about. That, like i'm lucky for these reasons but that doesn't diminish all the other things i have to deal with
0: that's absolutely true i can totally agree with you from trans perspective from queer perspective i you know i have anxiety about literally like the smallest things and when i tell cis friends or other people about it they don't really understand why I have those because I either have like a supportive family or I have, you know, I have those building blocks almost that people think you need to like grow up from and then from there you're just set. But that's not the case for so many people and I think that's really great that you bring light to that so thank you for that. In your poem you talk about asexuality and I think that's really great because I also don't hear a lot about asexuality very much. That could be because of um, lack of media coverage and stuff like that. But I know from my personal experience, I've heard that people don't believe it's real. So I was wondering if you'd like to share a little bit about that.
3: Um, Yeah, (laughs) a lot with especially with doctors sometimes, because I have been on testosterone before and part of it was, oh, you'll have a libido now, so your asexuality will be gone. (laughs) And that's just not correct because I still don't have attraction to people in that way. And it's kind of offhanded comments like that, that even if everything else is like, oh, you're safe, you wonder if you are. Like, random comments that most people wouldn't think twice about with, um, like, the queer community, like, that cis or het people would say about the community. You wouldn't usually think twice about it unless you're in the community, and then you worry, oh, they've said this, what would they think of me if I came out, if I, like, talked about this.
0: Right. Yeah, I... Dr. Thing, of course, very valid. Thank you so much for your poem and your time. Nutmeg, thank you so much. And that was Lucky by Nutmeg, a very nice poem. And now we will have a short story from Joe that I think you're gonna like.
4: Thank you so much, Chuck. All right, this is Joe and here we go do I need an identity beyond being me? Honestly, I never gave it much thought. Now I am 40, but when I think back, all I was focused on in high school was literally skiing. Eating, sleeping, skiing, and a dash of music, friends, and family. Then there was a mild awareness of boys. This was 1999 in Leeds, Maine and girls liked boys. End of discussion. And yes, when I pulled my eyes away from the ski course, there was a guy I was drawn to. So that worked fine. Then as I ventured away from my beloved state and wandered a college green, I began feeling admiration for my wild, philosophically provocative friend, Stacy. Who was not a boy. We went on adventures, slept on the smooth rocks of Lake Superior in our sleeping bags, watched the moon rise, and howled at it like we were coyotes. We talked about everything under the sun, and one time on a bike venture, the wind swept up so fiercely my main grown brain wasn't able to conceptualize what was happening. Tornado, Stacy said, who was well-versed in this situation coming from the plains of South Dakota. Are you afraid to die, Leah? I didn't answer conveniently. I put all my focus on turning my pedals so hard my legs struggled to keep up with the rotation. But the answer, had I uttered it, was yes, I am. And I feel completely alive with you. What is this? This is different and feels beautiful.
0: So I don't know very much about love very much yet. I just haven't experienced that, but I really enjoy the way you described it and your bond with her and how it was just so comfortable. You felt like that comfort, which I think is really um, nice to have in any relationship in any, thing at all. Yeah. I just, that's really nice. So thank you so much.
4: Thanks, Chuck.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today, everyone. This has been LGBT time with your host, Chuck on WERUFM. brought to you by OutMaine. Again, if you would like more information on Outmain, you can go to OutMaine.org to look at programs and such wonderful things. And for more about WERU and all the things they have, you can go to WERU.org. Thank you so much. Have a great day.